Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. Georgia Henneberry has been a fixture with USAC for the last few seasons, working social media, appearing in series videos, and pit reporting for the various USAC divisions on the track PA and for SpeedShift TV and Flow Racing. She's also worked events like the Gateway Dirt Nationals, Chili Bowl, the Brickyard 400, and the Indianapolis 500. She joins the show this week to talk about her journey to reporting, how to get opportunities in the sport, how to interview an angry driver, and a whole lot more. Just a quick note, the audio is a little weird for the first 15 seconds or so, apologies, and then clears up after that, here's my conversation with Georgia Henneberry. Georgia, you said you're in St. Louis right now. What's the next race for you? Yeah, actually, my next race is going to be September 4th with Formula Drift at uh, Worldwide Technologies Raceway. They've asked me to come along um, uh, specifically with NOS Energy Drink, so I'm super excited to learn all of the Formula Drift uh, ins and outs. That's a new area for me, and I'm branching out a little bit. I graduated from college in May, even though it doesn't really feel like any sort of graduation or anything like that with every this crazy new normal that we live in. But uh, I'm really excited. Gate, uh, Gateway actually gave me my start in working in motorsports. I I raced myself, uh, but I first I got my first ever job in motorsports at gateway which is now worldwide technologies raceway so i'm super excited to be back there i know those grounds like the back of my hand and i'm also excited to learn some of the formula drift um lingo and everything like that i've always been interested in that they're really big with nos energy drink and as you know nos energy drink has put a lot of money and time into grassroots racing uh and i'm really excited to get that going especially in my hometown so are you full-time with USAC? I would think most people that are going to be watching my show are going to know you from USAC and from Flow Racing. Is, is that a full-time job or is that kind of like a contract deal? It's a contracted job, yes. I've actually uh, stepped away from my position at USAC. That just happened recently, uh, just about a week ago. We've just been having some communication issues and um, I felt like it was in my best interest to, to do that. And I should have probably told you before, but that has just happened and everything like that. So I am taking new routes and new opportunities. I'm seeking work. I'm broadening myself into different kinds of motorsports, which as any reporter would want to do, uh, get the, the full story on everything. So I'm definitely putting myself out there, trying some new opportunities and getting some more knowledge under my ground because as a reporter, I want to grow. I want to to be better every single time that I get on the mic and uh, as being 22 fresh out of college I'm taking everything that comes comes to my way and I'm, I'm looking forward to it so I obviously want to dig into your journey and stuff but but is, is this something like pit reporting or, or you know doing motorsports reporting is that something that you've always wanted to do or is that something you just kind of stumbled into yeah so pit reporting itself actually isn't something that I ever saw myself doing. I've always been personable, I feel like, as any person in motorsports tries to be, especially on the driver's side of things. I got into motorsports when I was about 11. I actually raced horses before I got into motorsports, and it was too expensive for my family and I. And, you know, I, I've been a fan. My family's a fan of NASCAR and IndyCar. And, you know, I looked at the TV one day, and I was like, you know, I want to do that. That's That's what I want to do. And... The next day, my mom had made a uh, a call to Margay Racing, which is the only United States cart manufacturer left. Everything else is foreign, and that's great. It's, but Margay ended up being actually in St. Louis, Missouri, where I'm from. 
And we, I, that next week we had a go-kart and we were starting, starting our journey there. And Keith Freeber, who owns Margate Racing is like my third dad now. And he um, took me under his wing and we went and raced nationally for a couple years. And, um, I got my ground in that. And then I had a dirt micro for a little bit. He said, I didn't really know anything about dirt racing at this point. I was 15, uh, 16 or so. And he said, the next step you need to go is dirt racing. You got to get a micro. You got to, you got to go that way because that's the general progression. Um, and there are obviously so many routes that you can take, but for my family with the amount of, um, money that we had, that was just what it was. Go micro racing, hopefully land a midget ride or, you know, get that midget ride, then move up to the next step, do some ARCA stuff, do some this stuff, maybe even wing sun car racing, you name it. Just, just how drivers do. But unfortunately we ran out of money. Um, I then, I had a job at Gateway. I was very involved with, uh, Gateway Motorsports Park. I just did say, I did sales for them at their cartplex there. I was heavily involved in the karting and things like that. Sorry about that. Sorry. That's off. Um, so I knew Levi Jones. He worked at Gateway. I need to call it Worldwide Technology Raceway. I keep calling it Gateway because that's what I noticed. But Worldwide Technology Raceway. Levi and his wife Heidi both worked there, and we were all very excited. And I, I would even go over to their house sometimes and help work on, uh, well, as much as work as I, I would do. But um, they were housing Jarrett and Jerry's sprint cars at their at their house and I would go over there and drive an hour from my house and I'd sit and put on some graphics or put on some panels and try to learn the ins and outs of sprint car racing because I really wanted I was in the dirt scene now like that's what I wanted to do and when Levi transitioned full-time into USAC they um they kind of looked for that social media person I've never I'd never done social media I was in sales I was also 17 years old and just doing the regular 17 year old job and trying to race cars and be in that scene. I'd go to Belleville every chance I could, little Belleville, Belleville Speedway, every chance I could walk around the pits, mingle, because I'm a full believer that if you want to do something, you got to be there. No matter if you're actually working or, you know, you're putting in the, the time to be there. And I love every second of it. So it was not even like it was anything hard for me to go to the racetrack every, every chance I could. Um, then, so when they trans- transitioned full-time, they were looking for more so um, Facebook Live was getting big at this point. And someone that could get on there and say, this is what we're doing. We're here at the Action Track in Terre Haute, Indiana. These are our guys. This is what we're doing. And so I just started doing that. And I had I thought that it was, like, really great. It was, it was awesome. Then it transitioned to, you know, maybe we should put you on the mic. I did my first ever interview with Justin Grant at Terre Haute, actually. It was awful. I did a terrible job, but I was so nervous. And ever since then, it's just kind of grown from there. And I think that we've done a really good job, especially now with the transition into flow racing. Um, we had speed shifts and they were awesome. I, they are so on top of their game. They're really great. And it's nice now that speed shift has been acquired by flow as well. So we're all kind of one team again. Um, but you've just kind of been growing and when you do 90 races a year with three different series and also try to build on top of that, you definitely get to be, get to know the teams, the drivers, you know, you get to see places that you'd never see in your life if you didn't have to be there. So it's just like, it's such a whirlwind of 
you know, traveling and learning and growing as a person that I would not have wanted to start anywhere else but with USAC. And especially now grassroots racing is, is it right now. I think they've gotten the most exposure in a long time. And so to be a part of it and to be um, so heavily involved with it, especially uh, I was going through college also at the same time. So making that happen, going to class during the week, driving to the track after after my three or not three six hours you know a day or you know whatever and it's been awesome it really has and it's given me such a great gateway and I started right at the time that I was about to start college and so I was just like a lot of other people I think in college are like what am I going to do I have no idea what I want to do my sister's actually in that predicament right now and I could have not asked for a better time for them to ask me to join the team and to grow with them because it's given me a path that I want to, that I want to follow. And now I'm so, so invested in it that of course, actually, like definitely there's nothing else in my mind that I would want to do going forward. So it's just a general progression and I hope, I hope it works out. I'm going to put every ounce of effort that I have into it. It's, it's such a, growing industry and it's awesome so yeah that's kind of what i'm doing how long did it take you like when you kind of first got in front of a camera and and you know had a microphone like how long was that period where you kind of finally started to feel comfortable and and like knowing what questions you wanted to ask like i know when we kind of first started podcasting like i wrote everything down like i didn't trust myself to remember and i I had a whole sheet of things i wanted to say but like how long Uh, was that for you I wrote everything down for the first. So this was my fifth season with USAC. I wrote every single thing down until probably the beginning of last season. And then I finally felt like I knew, I mean, and I still wrote things down, especially, you know, for like heat races or quick times, you know, that those guys are going to be up there because they were the quickest, but you know, there's a story there and for heat races, you got to look for the battles and things like that. But I, I, Pat Sullivan, who does, um, He's a great in USAC announcing. He was like, you got You almost have to stop doing that because your questions need to come from what you see in front of you and not so much what you've seen already. So I really took that to heart, and I've been I've been trying to actually like analyze the you know the heat races go from anywhere between eight to ten laps, and they go quick if there's no cautions. So you know you really got to be on your toes. You got to really watch what's going on and then you know when we run uh stints like sprint week and stuff those are honestly the best because you can say you know you won your heat yesterday you you're you're doing it again you know things like that so it is taking me a really long time i feel as though because i've wanted to grow and be better and people are so um people are very willing to give you criticism if you're not saying the right stuff which is fine that's what our job is for but I was always very worried of saying stupid things, which I have before. And as anyone, as anyone has, will, yeah, as anyone does, but I've always been very nervous of, you know, choking or saying the wrong thing or, you know, anything. So it's probably, probably been just over a year that I haven't wrote everything down, but we've done a lot of pre-race interviews. We do a lot of social media interviews and I definitely write things down that I more so tidbits, not necessarily. I used to write out full questions and like, Poll questions to, you know, anywhere between saying, hey, thanks, you know, thanks, Rob, or thanks, Pat, or whoever's in the tower, 
just just so I have it in my head. So it's definitely been a progression, but that everyone grows. Yeah. Who are those trying to do? Who are those people besides like Pat Sullivan that have helped you along the way that you can ask those questions to that you can kind of get advice from? Uh, Absolutely. So um, I'd say Dylan Welch has been a really, really, really big help to me. He was, he was doing USAC full time when I was on my first year and I had so many questions for him. Just, you know, how do you not get so nervous? How do you, how do you know what to say? Things like that. And he's always been right there just wanting to, you know, go to the next level as he does in his own career. And for someone who's also being, you know, wants to be a pit reporter, wants to be an announcer. I think that that's really great because it's such a like doggy dog industry that sometimes people are like, no, <laughs> I don't want to help you. You want to have my job, you know? <laughs> um, the Dylan's been really great. Pat Sullivan has been really great. He's has so much experience. I mean, unbelievable amounts of experience in sprint cars. Um, and so for someone who's trying to learn that, that's, that's been it. Uh, Richie Murray, who is a walking encyclopedia of everything, sprint cars, you name it. You can ask him who won the Hoosier hundred in 1991 and he will know it off the back of his head and he'll know everything that happened. And for someone who's, really 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 trying to learn the ins and outs of even yeah i wasn't born until 1998 i don't i'm sorry was it you know it's just trying to you know gather all those pieces and put them together to make the show for fans make it interesting make it informative and so that's been really awesome um i really would like to give a shout out to caitlin vincey i've looked up to her for a long time and um, I'm, I'm obviously trying to branch out into the world of NASCAR, the world of IndyCar, things like that. And I brought, she was grateful enough to even look at, I, I didn't even know about, you know, to have a, I mean, I did, but I never thought that, you know, that this was the time to like create a reel uh, of things that I've done since I've done, you know, various different things. She was so willing to take a look at my reel, give me criticism, tell me things that I need to do. Tell me things that, you know, that, have helped her get to where she is and things like that. And I think that that is so unbelievably great because for someone at her level, she has done everything that I aspire to do and want to grow to be. So everyone has been great. It's everyone that I've asked has given me constructive criticism. They've given me what I, you know, tools that I feel like I've needed to get better. And it's just about, I think putting that together and with this year being so wonky and, uh, you know, even the people that work for higher up cor- corporations, they haven't even gotten to work. So how can I expect to just be like, hey, here I am. <laughs> Hire me, you know. I know that it's a progression and I'm willing to uh, I'm willing to work for it. So I'm really appreciative of everyone that's helped me learn over the last couple of years. Did you, like, what What was your college like? Did you kind of do broadcast things for, for your college education or, you know, what kind of route did you choose for college College was so wonky for me. I I graduated early from high school. I thought that I was going to go to University of Wisconsin Green Bay. Got all the way up to orientation and realized that oh my family dumb, but no mom. Hey, I'm doing this podcast, so they're funny. But um, thought I was going to go there. Realized that that wasn't 
that wasn't for me. I then went to a community college in St. Louis, but it never really put me behind the curve because I had graduated early from high school. Um, then I went to, because I really wanted to start like a full college career, the progression from St. Louis. If you live in St. Louis, you're going to Mizzou. That's, yeah, I mean, you could St. Louis, you and Wash U, but they're private universities and it's expensive, you know. Mm-hmm. So I went to Mizzou for a semester. That was awesome. All my friends are there. But I was driving to Indianapolis every weekend for six hours. I'd leave on a Friday after class, get back Sunday late. And that happened for a whole semester. And I was like, you know, this is just isn't it. So I was like, maybe I'll move back to St. Louis. Then I went to a school, a private university named called Maryville University there. And I went there for a year. And it was great. It was just still, I'm driving back and forth every weekend to Indianapolis or wherever our races are. Um, and it just got so, so, you know, just time consuming. I was like, it's not worth it for my, my car, my, you know, and everything. So then I transferred to IUPUI in downtown Indianapolis. Loved it. They were awesome. I did some journal. So I started in marketing, realized that I did not want to do all the math that it took for marketing. <laughs> uh, that's not my strong suit. I can talk all day long, but I, it, finance, not my thing. And, or, Calculus, not my thing. So then I switched to journalism, and Mizzou has an incredible journalism program, but I didn't stay there, so that just just wasn't going to work. And then I got to IUPUI, and I actually had a professor tell my class I was in a journalism class, a sports journalism class. I was the only girl in that sports journalism class. It was quite awkward, but it was great. He looked at all of us, and he said, do not major in journalism. He said, I know you guys are journalism majors. He said, do something else because that major is a dying breed. And unfortunately, I, at that, at that point, I thought to myself, I was like, there's always going to be journalism. I was like, wherever it goes, I mean, that's essentially our whole job is to talk to people about journalism, following the stories, this, this, and this. But the more I thought about it, you know, he was like, class sizes keep getting smaller. It's just not what it used to be. Do something else. So I switched to communications because I was like, if I'm not going to have the, the tools in a journalism community that I you know, really want. So I switched to communication. I went to IUPUI for two years and I just graduated in May. So my last full year was completely online. I did 18 credit hours a semester for the last two years because I transferred so many times. So credits just weren't adding up and I had to do extra stuff or they had different requirements. So I finished out at IUPUI. That makes my degree from IU um, based on being in the liberal arts school school. And I'm finally done. And that's, I said that through high school. I was like, all I want to do is get through college. Yeah. I'd be totally happy. (laughs) And I did it in four years. So that's checking that off the list. Even if this year is crazy. Yeah. I, I want to kind of get to some of the other stuff that you've done, but I, as you kind of look at your body of work, you know, whether it's the Indy 500, whether it's USAC, whether it's off-road stuff that I've seen you do, like, is there a, like something that sets dirt racing apart from, you know, like, like when you're pit reporting or doing something like that for dirt racing, are there things that are like more difficult or different about dirt racing, or is it kind of just all the same? Oh, there's absolutely leaps and bounds difference between dirt and anything else that I've done. Dirt is just so grueling in the sense of it's not just the racing on track it's the you race seven days in a row maybe anywhere up to five hours difference of each other so you you know you get done with a race and you're 
you know, your, your adrenaline's still going. Well, now you got a four hour drive to the next track. You got to be there by one the next day and you're, you're going to do it all over again. And it's great. But, um, it's so surprising actually how much work goes into it for the amount of time that we are actually putting on an event. You get to the race, you get to the track at one. Well, hot laps aren't until six, but you're filling every ounce of that time with, you know, getting ready for the day. And I'm sure that, I'm sure that is with any, any form of motorsports, but it's the amount. I mean, on the USAC schedule, we race national midgets, silver crown cars, and sprint cars. We race them 95 times a year, given rain out, you know, all over the country, making it happen. And, you know, some nights, you know, just from PA, we get done in Sealands Grove at, 11 well you can go back to the hotel room or you can drive home it's just it's it's different and i'm sure it's that's the same with indycar and nascar but there's definitely more more to it and especially you know my job's even easier than you know the crew guys gotta go gotta go maintenance for the next day so i don't have to get to the track till one but those guys are up at seven in the morning maintaining those those cars for the next day because they got to they got to drive four hours too and get everything ready for the next night and also be perfect. That's especially at the, at, with USAC, the sprint cars, you have to be perfect. There's no doubt about it. The competition's so close right now that if you, you miss one mark, the next guy's going to be on that mark. So it's, it's such a cool thing to experience and especially experience it for so long because it is really a, traveling circus of adrenaline <laughs> and it really is cool that's really done and i i really liked i really 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 liked working the 500 unfortunately i don't get to do that this year now with the no fans because that kind of eliminates my job i could talk all day long by myself probably to the <laughs> to the empty stadium but um yeah so it's just dirt racing is just different i think anyone who's involved in dirt racing will tell you that uh, in the same. And I think that finally now, I mean, I know that dirt racing has been large for a while, but I think that now dirt racing is getting a lot more recognition that it deserves because, you know, you get, you have world of outlaws on CBS, you have, you know, all these brands are going to flow. They're all being broadcasted. We're kind of coming together as one is just a coherent, body of you know like a fan base that can switch back and forth so i think it's really cool it's just different in like you, you mentioned it a couple of times now like you just got done with kind of eastern midget week and and you know we had indiana sprint week we had you know midget week all of these things what is different for you about those weeks and i'm talking about like prep and all of those things like and you know are, are you kind of just barely standing by the time you get to the like the last night of that deal yeah um Obviously, the difference is the the series. So you just kind of got to switch mentalities between midgets, sprint cars. First silver, crown race, first silver crown race of the year just happened, so that wasn't as much of a factor, but it is usually in the years, and especially because silver crown transfers between asphalt and dirt, and that's the only one of the series that we do that does that. Um, and that's especially different because we only go to it. We go to asphalt track, you know, seven times out of the year well you're not going to ask the same questions that you are at a dirt track that you're going to an asphalt track but with the midgets and the sprint cars definitely it's just it's just a different mentality the midgets you're more so focused on you know the up-and-coming drivers you have you have 15 16 year olds out there 
being absolutely nuts on the racetrack, trying to learn just as much as I am in these cars, but they're actually, you know, putting it out on the line and doing that. Sprint cars, you kind of have more. These guys, this is what they're doing for a living. This is what they're, you know, it's more the more experience. You obviously, you have more horsepower. You're going to the bigger tracks. You're going to the real deal. And I love the midgets and I think that they are really on the up and up and coming and we have such great talent in them right now, but the sprint cars are just, these guys are doing it for a living. That's what they're. And I think it makes their words stick, stick more They're You know, this is coming from their, their heart. They're, they're wanting to get, they want that so bad. And I'm not saying the midget guys don't, they obviously do because that's their start to whatever they're going to do the rest of their life but it's definitely different and the prep is different it's nice now that a couple of the guys you probably have six guys that are running both midgets and sprint cars so you just know you know um you know that these people are going to be at both races so you can kind of carry off you know you've had so much success in the sprint car how are you going to carry that the midget what the difference is what are you feeling you know things like that but i mean you have guys that are straight out of micros or even go-karts that are out there trying to trying to make uh, make a name for themselves in midgets and that also makes it interesting too it's like kind of give me your impressions right now of the season so far obviously you know with all the things kyle larson has done this year kind of across um but i mean there's been some uh, you know some really great things from justin grant from chris windham from tyler courtney i mean like you know they're kind of like the usual suspect guys but you know kind of across the usap usac landscape kind of what's your impression so far of the season uh, the season for what we, you know, what's been thrown at us and it's, it's really a day by day operation. We're just hope. I mean, we have been hoping, you know, Indiana sprint week could be halfway through and the government in Indiana could say, Hey, you're not going to do that. You're, like we're not going to let you put on those races. So I think everyone's very gracious of the amount of racing that we've actually been able to do. Uh, the last time that I checked, and I think Leo even told me this, we're actually not far behind what our normal schedule would have been it's just all been crammed into uh just a smaller amount of time so the season's been awesome it's so neat when kyle you know came to indiana midget week and absolutely dominated four out of the five or five out of the six i can't four four out of the six i think because thorson won one and windham won one but um it's really cool to see that it really makes everyone pop up just that extra extra bit because they know that they're going to have to be on their a game and like i said before you cannot make mistakes and if you make those mistakes you're not going to win the race because someone else is going to be right there right on your bumper waiting for you to make a mistake so the season's been really really awesome actually and i think there's been a lot more uh, vision on it just because everything else that's been going on we're kind of the only ones that have been able aside from you know the outlaws and you know, NASCAR's gone back and IndyCar's gone back. A lot of them can't have fans and stuff, but our sport can't can't run off fan uh, off no fans. Yeah. And um, so the fifty percent capacity thing has been weird because you look up in the stands and you don't see as many people as you would think that you think. But it also makes what we do on Flow and for the broadcast so much more important because every single story needs to be covered because there's not a lot of pe- there's not as many people there that you know, have paid the money at the, uh, to be in the stands to get that full experience. So we really need to up their, their full experience, their full 
Indiana Midget Week experience, their full Spring Week experience, their full Eastern Midget Week experience, given weather, because we go to PA and get <laughs> rained out a couple of the days. But even on days like that, you go to the track, you set up, you're there, you're ready. You know that it's supposed to rain at 6 o'clock, but you're just hoping that it's it not going by. through. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's good. This season is really – we put in a lot of work for the – amount of time that we've had. I mean, we didn't start racing. We raced in February. Everything got shut down. Didn't start racing until May. And here we are three months later and have ran just as many races as we would have. And so props to the, to everyone in the higher up for making that happen and working with the government, government officials and things like that, because it's so wishy-washy with, especially with all the mandates going on for the, the remainder of Indiana sprint week, everyone had to wear a mask. It was a it was a mandate and it's a hundred and one degrees yeah. and you're out there and there's dirt flying and there's everything. So some people might have wanted to wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been good. Are you especially as somebody that's like worked across multiple divisions and and like do you have like a favorite car type? And and you know, for me personally, like I've watched like so much dirt racing this year and I, I love the midgets because of like the contact and how it's just elbows up and guys beat the crap out of each other. I just love that mm-hmm. about the midgets. But like are you allowed to have a favorite car type? I don't know if I'm allowed to have a favorite car type. I I think that there's there's so many po- there's positives and negatives to both. They are not both all three divisions on the, on the dirt sides of things. And so I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed to have a favorite or supposed to have a favorite. I have seen so many crazy things happen in all three divisions that it's just like on any given day, it could change. I, today I say that I, I like sprint cars the best, I, but I could go watch, rewatch that race at, um, at Kutztown and also be like man midgets are really really where it's at you know it's cool and you see races like the hoosier hundred with the silver crown cars and you're like silver crown cars are so badass like there's so much history there's you know this guy's really out there for a hundred laps doing you know on dirt just giving it everything they have so it's just you so on some races you every time i walk into four crown i might like, get goosebumps because i just know that it's going to be you're going to get to the end of the night and be like, wow, that was insane. And I cannot believe that I was here for that and actually get to like be a part of that event. I feel like it's, yeah, it's just crazy to be so involved and to get to experience so many things at a younger age and um, be able to grow through it. How have you gotten opportunities to do things like the Indianapolis 500? What was that like? And and have you done it once or a couple of times now? So I started with the Brickyard in 2018. Okay. Um, it was wonky just the way that uh, I've said wonky like eight times in this interview. I don't know why I keep saying that. <laughs> um, rain. So they rained astronomically. So I think that it was only like a one day thing. And I was kind of learning and wasn't sure how all of their PA system stuff worked. And I'd never done anything like that really. And then that following year, 2019, Indy 500, they asked me back, and that was really where we hit the ground running. And uh, there's so much stuff to cover, and they're so on top of everything there. It is so awesome. You walk into the track, you have, or they email you, they give you your full schedule for the day. You know what you're doing. You have time to, you know, prepare, plan everything. It's so awesome. And that was 2019 Indy 500 month was 
seriously my biggest growing experience as a reporter or anything. You really got to like put the big girl pants on and say that this is the greatest spectacle in racing and get after it. It is awesome. And um, Susie Elliott was a big part in that. She's um, she's a higher up there at the Speedway and she's a big avid uh, sprint car fan, midget fan, USAC fan. And we had known each other and um, the USAC office is in walking distance from the Speedway. They're right next to each other. And, it, you know, every chance I get, I go over there and you know, we'd talk and things like that. And they always put more people on for the 500 and um, being based in Indianapolis. I moved to Indianapolis uh, in 2019, just because I was there so much, uh, this year has been a little different, but when they asked me, I was totally ecstatic. And then for the brickyard that same year, they asked me back and I was supposed to work again this year for the month of May and now the month of August. But when that announcement came out, it, my job gets, gets, gets booted out a little bit. I know they're still going to do some PA stuff, um, just to have that atmosphere, mm-hmm. but obviously with the no fans thing, that's, a big bummer, but yeah, that's what's needed. I, I I can't not ask you about this. Just you know, you are you know one of a few females who who do what you do, and 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 not just in dirt racing, but across motorsports as a whole. And like, how how difficult is that? Like, what are the kind of challenges of that? And and I know you talked earlier about you know making sure that you know your stuff. Do you feel like you need to kind of be even better about that because of the comments that are going to come if if you don't know what you're talking about? Yeah, I've I've never been one to separate women and men from everything and I think I get that from, you know, my background in horses or my background in actually racing myself and wanting to be just as good as everyone else, but I definitely think that women are under scrutiny in the realm of communications in motorsports just because it's a male dominated sport. I feel like you got to put in that that extra effort and if you do say something that's that's off or wrong, you get more scrutiny for it and you know, I've had I've had people before say that that's, you know, why is why is this stupid girl on this or you know something like that put a guy in put this and then you also got to deal with you know the people that are you know a bit creepy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I don't think that men have to deal with that just as much and I could be wrong you know there could be some (laughs) creepy girls out there but for motorsports being such a male-dominated sport you definitely gotta I mean you gotta put the time in you gotta put the effort in and I love the sport I want to be better in it and you know I think that that helps and it's all been, I really enjoyed my transition from social media to actually being on the broadcast. Cause I think that gave me time specifically to, to get not as uncomfortable or better under scrutiny than, you know, I couldn't even imagine ever doing it and then going on the broadcast because we get that. I mean, I have the social media logins and everything for USAC or flow or, you know, and everything you get messages all the time. Like, this isn't working or this isn't working. You need to be better and doing that. And everyone's trying to be better. But as a woman, it's, yeah, I think that we are all, we all want to be there and we all want to be great. Um, but as a woman, you do get a little bit of extra, extra. Well, she better be good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't phase me or anything like that. I, I've never even, I never think about it that way because I think that if you do think about it that way, you're just going to psych yourself out. And I want to be there just as bad as any guy. So <laughs> might as well, might as well do what you need to do. Yeah. 
Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is, is, you know, you're kind of right there in the middle of it, you know, a heat race gets done or someone crashes or whatever. And, and like, you've got to talk to that guy that's pissed off. And like, mm-hmm. what do you do? Like when someone is like completely shitty, like in an interview, like, do you kind of have a strategy? Like, do you know, going in, do you know that there's like certain guys that yeah. are, you're going to have to like, you know, like how, how do you kind of handle those situations? Yeah, there are definitely certain guys that, you know, that if it's not going their way, they're going to be that extra little little bit of pissed off um but as a reporter i feel like you're almost not yourself like you are you're you're doing your job and if someone's you know shitty to you or you know something like that they're not being mean to you they're they're being mean because they don't they know that something bad just happened and they can't you know maybe handle their emotions enough to get it out in the right way. But I've never taken it. I've never taken it personally. Um, I, and especially a guy, you know, flips in a sprint car at a half mile. I know that they're hurting. I know that that's a lot of money. I know that a lot of these, you know, these teams don't, don't run on everything that they probably could. And so I know that it's not so even so much physical. It's, it's mental, it's monetary, monetary, and things like that. So I know that there's a lot of things going through their head and I never take it personal. And that's the job. That's you got to talk to people that are also having bad days for the Indy 500 last year. I was the first one to talk to um, Max Chilton as he didn't, he didn't make it. He just had gotten bumped up and I was the first one there and I was the first one that got to talk to him. And that's really the first time that I, I talk to guys that are pissed all the time who flip sprint cars and stuff, but something as monumental as, you know, not making the Indy 500 or something like that. You know, I sat down next to it and you could just, you can, you can almost feel the emotion that they're feeling just because of how real all the emotions are. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just like, it's just a different feeling. You know, you want to interview the guys that won and that are happy, but when you interview the guys that are not happy or devastated, it's also meaningful. You've gotten to do, obviously, you know, we talked about the Indy 500, you've done off-road trucks, you talked about doing drift this weekend, uh, you know, I saw you got to go down under this last year, uh, you know, what does it mean to have those opportunities to do all of these different things, to do gateway dirt, to do, you know, to go do chili bowl, like, I mean, these are like bucket list things, like, do you realize, like, in the moment, like, how cool it is to be able to get to do this stuff? Absolutely, I do not take anything for granted, and any opportunity that I get, I, I take it just as serious of the next because it is um, when you're a freelance reporter, or you're on, you know, you're contracted or you're doing whatever. It's not guaranteed that, you know, you, that the next couple of weeks you're going to have a job or, you know, anything like that, especially in this, this time. And I just feel really grateful is, you know, when we went down under New Zealand and they asked me to work at Western Springs for their broadcast, it, it you know, makes me feel good because I feel like I'm doing a good job. I'm able to follow the stories. I'm able to, you know, uh, give the fans a show and then also make a name for myself in between. And um, it's only, you know, you can only grow. You know, it's, it, I mean, it's so cool. It's, I'm really grateful for everything that I've gotten to do. And I hope that it continues on that path. So what's next, you know, you, you know, you, you do drift, but you know, what, what's next for the season and, and what's, you know, next couple of years look like, what, you know, what is the goal? Where are you trying to get to kind of thing? The goal is to get on TV. And uh, now that I have my degree, that's really what I was working for. Um, and the goal is to get on TV, whether it be with Fox or NBC, how it goes. I've, I've talked with them a couple of times. They're all 
everyone there has, is super great. And um, it's just about finding the right opportunity or the right place to put you in. And this year has been really hard on everyone in TV or reporting or anything like that. That's the goal. And I think within three years, that's an attainable goal. I'm um, going to do the Formula Drift events. I'm maybe going to try to branch into some, some off-road, uh, more some off-road stuff, maybe some like Baja things and stuff like that. I've always been super into that stuff and the California, Arizona, Nevada. That's like, that's my favorite place in the United States and I'll stick to that. And, um, so this year I think it's going to be a little iffy with me stepping down from my role, um, with USEC, but I'm going to try some new things and, um, definitely push for any opportunities that are there. Um, maybe it's, um, it might be a slow roll, but hopefully we can we can pick it up. And with this year being so weird and everything, it's I'm I'm looking forward to the future. It's just about continuing on that subtle subtle up. If if someone approached you who was maybe you five years ago, ten years ago, what what do you tell them? What is that piece of advice? What you know? What is the uh, you know? What is the Georgia Henneberry like? Here's what you should do. Here's what you shouldn't do. Uh, you know, if you want to kind of get somewhere with this. Um, my biggest thing has always been to like, be, be there. Like, I think I get asked a lot about, I, I know that my job at USAC is replaceable. I know that I'm not, you know, the best one to ever cover USAC races. And I, I know that wholeheartedly and it's not even a question, but I get asked a lot, you know, like, how did you get into this? I want to get into this. And I think the biggest piece of advice you can tell someone is just to be there as even if you're not doing what you want right at that time you still you know if you want to go be a USAC announcer you go to USAC events and you try to meet as many people as possible because knowing the right person in this industry I think is everything we've had a just last year we had a 15 year old kid his name's Drake York he comes up to to us at after the race one day shakes all of our hands really firm handshake he's like this I want to do this this is I've wanted to do it for a long time I've been working towards it 15 I want to this I know that this is what I want to do. Blah blah blah. Well, he comes to he comes to more events, more events, more events, and shakes our hand every time he gets there. This is what I want to do. I just want to let you know again. Blah blah blah. Well, this year he's announcing USAC National Sprint Car Races at some places, and it's just like I think that if you're consistent, persistent, and really want something, it'll happen. It's just a matter of time, and that that worked out for him, and he's doing a great job. I mean. For 15 years old, you would never know in a million years. Um, but yeah, I think that's really what I would, I would say to, to myself because, you know, I think sometimes I get content in what we're, what we're doing and, but, you know, just to push for things and be there and things like that is, I think that's the most important part. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you go on this, uh, uh, kind of a tough question to finish, but what can you be better at? Like, what do you want to be better at? What do you know you need to be better at? Um, planning i know that right off the bat i you know sometimes when we come to races we have pre-race schedule figured out and um and that's great and everything but i know that between you know especially at usac races it's different for every race that you go to obviously but you know i know that there's going to be an intermission between a c main and a b main because they need to work the track it's my job to fill that time on track or on the broadcast or something like that and i already should have that planned out 
I, I know uh, obviously the names would change given what's happened in the night and things like that. But I know in my heart that I'm going to be doing stuff at that point. Well, I should have something already planned out before the beginning of the day. So I think definitely like the going home and mapping everything out and like planning. And I'm not saying that I didn't do that, do this already, but I know that it could be better. And especially if, you know, I go do other things, it's all going to be a learning experience once again, but on the USAC side of things, I think that the planning is really just the, the key to get to that next spot. So then you're not frantically running around like, Hey, where's the Logan CV or where's Chris and where's Justin Grant? So we can get an interview at the beginning of the day. I could say to, you know, whoever, at this time, at this point, you need to be here and we're going to do this interview and it's going to be great. And you know everything like that. So yeah, I think that's, that's not hard. That's not hard because everyone has things that they need to do better. Everyone yeah. can be better at all points of every, every time. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Cool. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, certainly wish you much luck in the future. Um, you know, I, I think you probably have a ton of fans out there. You know, you've, you've done a fantastic job, you know, at the last few years and, and the opportunities you've, you've gotten to do USAC and, and flow and things like that. Uh, so certainly wish you all the luck and, and thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I love talking about, but I love to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Georgia for taking the time to chat today. If you are interested in the media side of the sport, there was a lot in there to digest. I'm sure we'll see her again at a dirt track soon. You can follow her on Twitter at GHennaberry47. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit dirttracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok.